We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in possible. Who you do business with is more important than where they're located. Bank from the comfort of your own home with M-Prize Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory Podcast with Ken Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane. Coming to you on the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City. You can find all of our channels covering all the local teams wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Just search KCSN. And now, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. It's a live episode of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. Member FDIC. Maddie, were you just cracking open a can or something? What was, what was that noise? Don't ask questions you don't want answers to, buddy, okay? Like, let's just, let's just leave it at that kind of want the answer to this one though if i'm being honest uh is that a, okay yeah it's a lacroix hey we're lacroix boys today i like it don't say that to me please I, i'm offended i'm even the one drinking a lacroix um how you doing kent how's I'm, it going buddy i'm doing phenomenal uh craig stout is off tonight so uh you will not be hearing from him today uh everything's good so uh we're just it's just me and maddie tonight <laughs> i don't know why i feel compelled to just make sure everybody know craig's okay i think people just, people just care deeply but uh if you if you're doing if you're, it's okay he's alive guys don't worry he is not in trouble you don't have to search for you don't have to go on a twitter rampage about searching for the identity of craig stout and where he might be located it's okay <laughs> he's fine uh everything's fine this is fine uh this is this first two minutes of the show is totally fine too hit the like button hit the subscribe button if you're watching appreciate everybody that is hanging out with us tonight um we're gonna have a lot of fun we got plenty to cover today we're gonna talk about some of the coaching stuff we're gonna get into the offseason stuff a little bit too uh we'll get there but first we have obviously had some news happen since the, we last talked to you guys eric Bieniemy has agreed to become the assistant head coach uh, and the offensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders. Uh, a, a big move for him. You know, I, I, some people have kind of dismissed, I guess, dismissed the move for him and, and, and talked about the lateral, you know, some of the lateral nature of it. And I think there's a big conversation to be had about the entire hiring process in as a whole and in, 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 in a lot of different ways. 
I do want to say though that this still is a big opportunity for Eric Bieniemy that I'm happy for him to get because it's an opportunity for him to put a stamp on on an offense to have complete ownership and control of an offense and build in his image. If you listen to um, you know the reports out of Washington, it sounds like Eric Bieniemy is going to have a lot of input, a lot of control, staffing, uh, you name it. There's a lot of input that he's going to be. It's it's his show and. It's it, I, he was never going to get that with Andy. Matt Nagy didn't. Doug Peterson didn't, which is a whole other story, whole other conversation. But I'm happy that Eric Bieniemy is getting a chance to put his stamp on an offense uh, for an organization in a very just in a complete ownership of that thing. I'm very excited for him in that regard. Well, that's world champion Eric Bieniemy, two time world Two-time champion world Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy is going to have his chance to put that stamp on the offense, and I'm excited to see the process. Um, you know, I, I don't want to be negative about anybody. I have all the respect for Eric Bieniemy, and I think he very much deserves a shot. He deserved a better shot than an offensive coordinator position with a coach that his previous head coach has a really good relationship with. Okay, he was yeah. a shot at a head coaching job. Do I? I don't know if I think he'll be successful or not. I have my own concerns with how well I think he will run a team or run and design an entire offense. I do think that I have some concerns there. So I think it's going to be fun or exciting to watch the process. Is he going to flip what I think my opinion on how he's going to do on its head? And he's going to come out there like gangbusters and essentially say, nope, I'm the same offensive coordinator that's been helping Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs to be the best offense in the NFL, win two Super Bowls, so on and so forth. There's That's certainly in the realm of possibility. I just think, you know, I think there's definitely some, I mean, we don't have to beat around the bush. There's some issues with minority coaches getting head coaching jobs or offensive coordinator looks in the NFL. And this is a pretty direct uh, hit to that notion. Like, right, that's is very clearly an, an, a problem in that scenario. But we've heard, we've all heard publicly, you know, not publicly behind closed doors. He has struggled in the interview process for various different reasons. Are those things that are going to translate onto the field? Are these issues and why he was getting so many interviews, but getting passed over stuff that will translate onto the field? Or is it just the NFL finding any excuse they can to not hire a minority coach that maybe doesn't have the squeakiest clean uh, background, rap sheet, whatever you want to call it, going into his next job. I think we are about to find out. So I'm excited to see it from that from that standpoint. I think the Washington football team, sorry, commanders, have a decent enough roster. If they figure out a quarterback, it's not a terrible spot. There's some weapons. The offensive line isn't terrible. Like there's a you can do enough there that you should be in position if you're Eric Bieniemy to be able to showcase a, a pulse as an offensive coordinator. Yeah, and I mean quarterbacks obviously going to be a big issue for them to either work around or resolve if they're going to be successful this year and the one thing that's kind of interesting with with all this is i think this is a very big year for ron rivera too you know ron rivera you might be a lame duck head coach it's you've got to be a little bit worried about that there i think you know and and so that's what part of what kind of sucks for this situation for eric the enemy is you know I hope that he gets more than one season with potentially Sam Howell at quarterback um, to, to kind of put his his stamp and his imprint on an offense. And like that's one thing I just keep going back to is I hope Ron Rivera and I hope that the I hope Washington has enough success to keep Eric B, give Eric Bieniemy an opportunity to be on this because the thing is is he's been put in a situation 
where you know he's he's got some assistant head coach responsibilities. He's getting you know everything that he wants to build this offense kind of the way he wants it to be built from a from a person from a staffing and a personnel perspective. He's getting a lot of input and a lot of opportunity there, which is huge for him. But if he doesn't get the runway, it's just back to you know it's back to square one again. And I think you know you've got you you hope you see growth. You hope you see him uh, develop in this group because, yeah, it, it, it would just suck if it's a one and done for him and that he doesn't get an opportunity to add to his resume in a real tangible way. What I do think is going to be very important for him is, you know, there's a lot of talk about the you know there's plenty we've heard about the interview process for him. You know, and he's interviewed with with half the teams in the NFL, right? But I think one thing that could be really big and important for him in this whole process is he's going to get a chance to win over another locker room. He is going yeah. to get a chance to have an imprint and an impact on an entirely different group of players that, you know, if two different locker rooms, two different, you know, group of men vouching for you, I think is probably big for his resume because maybe he does, maybe he's not the perfect interviewer, which there's, there's plenty of buzz around that. But, if you can see tangible, real impact on two different group of men from two different teams in two entirely different situations, if you get out there and you see that that Washington team playing hard, playing physical, executing at a high level, and speaking glowingly of that guy, that's going to be huge for his outlook uh, as he continues to to try to you know earn opportunities as, an op- as a head coach. No, absolutely, and that's and coming into that team, coming into that Washington team that hasn't been in the best place over the past few years. There's been, you know, it's been difficult for them. They're, they're dealing with a lot of ownership issues. Ron Rivera, like we mentioned is, you know, he's bordering on kind of a lame duck head coach and that like everyone is expecting this to be his final season, right? Unless there's a drastic turnaround, the expectation is kind of, this is the end for his head coaching tenure there. So like, it's not like he's walking into a great situation. So if he can come in, win over this locker room, get them to play with just a, a palpable level of energy and effort and all this stuff that is going to go a long way. And while that might even, you know, even if the offensive system in itself is mediocre or maybe doesn't live up to what the hype's going to be coming from Kansas city, the fact that he can get a team, get a unit another for the second time, not with Andy Reid fired up to go, that actually looks pretty good going back to his ability to be a head coach, because that's where something like that, that's where being a, motivator getting someone to get everybody to care to manage different groups of players different positions different assistant coaches these are all skills that you are going to need the farther up the food chain you go in terms of being a coach so i do think that no matter what he can come out of this showcasing you know the best foot forward he can as a head coaching candidate my concern is just what does that offense look like we just don't know we have no idea what an eric Bieniemy offense is going to look like We can go and look at what Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy did once they left the Chiefs and Andy Reid, and the offenses definitely look very similar to what Andy Reid's offenses have. Doug Peterson specifically added some twists and turns. You know, Matt Nagy maybe ran a little bit of the same offense, but they ran a very similar offense. Is that what Eric Bieniemy is going to do? Is that going to be his path? I, I don't know. I don't. He's a little bit different of a coach coming from a running back background, been a run game coordinator a few times. And we know that's the least important part of an Andy Reid offense from that, you know, from the scheme standpoint, from what they're kind of spending all their time and practice working on. So what does his offense look like? Is it going to be more ground than pound? Just I'm excited to see it. And even if it falters a little, I think like to Kent's point, 
we really can see what Eric Bieniemy has as a motivator, as an organizer, as a person that kind of controls everything below him, and it no longer can be just cast off as, oh, Andy Reid's got that covered. Uh, he's going to get some assistant he- assistant head coach title responsibilities too, which I think is important. And people don't realize Dave Tobe's the assistant head coach in Kansas City. So that opportunity really wasn't available to him because Dave Tobe's still here. So Dave Tobe wasn't getting, you know, uh, reject, you know, he wasn't getting demoted from that either. So best of luck to the new offensive coordinator for the Washington commanders, Eric Bieniemy. Let's talk a little bit about the coaching staff changes, though, that will come as a result of this. There might be a little bit of shuffling. We'll see. Um, I don't know. I don't know who, you know, the offensive coordinator. I think we have a decent idea of, of who's going to be the next offensive coordinator. The heavy favorite in this scenario is Matt Nagy, the former Bears head coach, the former offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. It feels like it feels like very very likely pretty soon we will hear that that Matt Nagy is going to be the next offensive coordinator for this team. Yeah, that that one seems pretty much set in stone, right? Like I don't know is there all right, what is the path for Matt Nagy not being the offensive coordinator? I think that's probably the easier way to approach this than Matt Nagy like the way the path for Matt Nagy to be the offensive coordinator is pretty much laid out in front of us. I think it's pretty clear. You can look at any post-game press conference. You can look through quotes from Mahomes, from Travis Kelsey, from any of the offensive players. Andy, I mean, you can go down any rabbit hole you want, and it's going to lead you to say Matt Nagy's the next offensive coordinator. So what is the path for him not to be that guy? So I, I don't think there's very many. You know, I do think that the, the, the Chiefs still have to adhere to the, to the Rooney rule. So they're going to have to interview some minority candidates. Someone's going to have to blow them away to not have that familiarity, uh, you know, that that the Chiefs have with Matt Nagy shine through this interviewing process, right? So they're still going to have to go through a process here where, you know, maybe another candidate, you know, just just overwhelms them. Um, Greg Lewis, I I could see Greg Lewis getting, you know, an interview here uh, for that offensive coordinator role. And if there's some unique perspective that he's be able to provide that they think that will potentially help, uh, that could be, that could be a path, right? Like I, there's just, I, I, I still think though that Matt Nagy's like just the clear cut favorite in the clubhouse. I'm curious to see if the interviews even exist outside of the organization, if I'm being honest. Yeah. It seems it seems pretty highly unlikely at this point, right? It does not seem it doesn't seem likely that they are going to bring in an outside name to be the offensive coordinator at the very least. Where you know we'll talk about some other positional coaches in a second where we maybe have some candidates, but as an offensive coordinator, one, you're pretty late in the process. There's still some guys out there that would be good, I think, in that role, but you not only have to come in and impress this new team, you have to be able to funnel in into this new system and honestly like how long do we think Matt Nagy would be okay just hanging out as a QB coach and senior you know assistant or whatever that he's got right now he's not going to want to be there forever he didn't come he he came back to Kansas City for a reason that reason is not to just be the QB coach right like he's going to want more titles which is going to come with more money and like that's only fair from what we have seen of him in that role in the past so it's going to be really hard I think to jump Matt Nagy for the offensive coordinator position so if he takes it, if he gets the offensive coordinator position, that means the QB coach position that his you know job as the quarterbacks coach is now opened up. I think that's a lot more fun of a discussion to have because I think that opens up a lot more possibilities, whether it is an internal hire from somebody we don't know as much about, 
Or I think that gives you a little bit of a window to look outside of the team and maybe bring somebody in in a little bit smaller role. I agree. Like, and that's I think I, I tweeted out a while back. Uh, I think as we kind of heard the Eric Bieniemy news, I'm more curious about what's going to happen with the quarterback coach like spot because I, there are there are internal candidates. Um, you know, they've got um, they've they've you know, David Girardi is the pass game analyst and assistant quarterbacks coach for this team. And if you listen to uh, you know the the credit for Corn Dog, um, David Girardi and I believe Joe Blameyer, who is another guy we could talk about. Um, they were both early, uh, catchers of that, you know, that, that rotation from the safeties and from the defensive backs that could help open up that opportunity to run that. So they were early on that. And so like, I don't know if that's an accident that those names are getting thrown out very quickly from Andy Reid, because that's something you will see. You'll see as the cycle is growing for these for these guys, you'll see Andy Reid start to sprinkle his name a little bit more in, you know, in, into the media to try to make people a little bit more aware of these guys. David Girardi was one of those guys that got called out. Would not be sun, stunned to see him just step into the quarterback position if they're wanting to keep things internal. Yeah, I think right now he would be my lead candidate um, for an internal hire. It sounds like, you know, you hear a little bit of rumblings that come around from maybe what you would assume is inside the building. He's a name that's been brought up for a couple years. And I think there's a little bit of frustration. Not only, not only was there frustration from the chiefs that Eric Bieniemy wasn't getting a job chance that he deserved, but also it really stagnated their ability to promote from within Andy Reid loves to see his guys succeed and go move on to somewhere else. He really does enjoy that. So when they weren't able to keep this internal promotion going, it ended up costing them Matt Kafka. Like, I don't think that they wanted him to go, but part of this stagnation was losing him. They wanted to bring back Matt Nagy because that's somebody that they clearly value a lot. So they they have not been able to promote guys within very much. So Joe Blameyer is a guy that I think has bounced around from a couple different position coaches with the Chiefs. David Girardi is another guy. Those are just two names that you have heard pretty frequently. Greg Lewis would be another one. He has gone from wide receivers to running backs. Like They have options if they want to promote they want to give you know this an, a passing game coordinator type title move him to qb coach that's kind of the last step below or before you get to an offensive coordinator but uh, selfishly i hope they go outside I, I mean i understand why i think they will promote from within they've been they have not got to promote guys in a while but i selfishly like they did with matt Nagy, kind of wish they hired from the outside and i mean the low-hanging fruits right there Cliff Kingsbury is currently in Thailand. He doesn't have a job. And I get it. He it's a polarizing. Oh, no, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. He's back from Thailand. Is he? He's back. Oh, well, he's in shoot. America. Oh, he's in America. In they pulled him in out. Kansas? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know about that, but you know. Um, so I know it's a polarizing name. Some people are gonna absolutely despise the idea of throwing him out there because he has not had good head coaching head coaching six head coaching success that has nothing to do with what he can do as a QB coach, nothing to do with what he is as an offensive mind. We know that there's familiarity with Patrick Mahomes. People say that Mahomes kind of made his career and that's not entirely incorrect, but I've read, I've heard the story about Patrick Mahomes recruitment out of high school. There was one guy that believed in him and his name was Cliff Kingsbury. If you don't think that matters, if you don't think that those two guys have a real connection, if you don't think stuff like that matters to have the one person that got you to not go play baseball out of high school is Cliff Kingsbury. And if he wants to stay in the NFL and a good path to doing that would be coming back to coaching under Andy Reed, coaching Patrick Mahomes, 
but you're not at the front of the spear. You're not even in the middle. You're kind of the back end of the point of the spear here because you're just the QB coach. You're just inserting your passing game ideas. You're inserting what you like in the red zone for somebody else to incorporate into everything else. I don't think people realize the amount of respect that Clay, Cliff Kingsbury has too. Um, by Andy Reid. Andy Reid has brought it up before. How much he respects what Cliff Kingsbury has done offensively. He has cited that in, in interviews in the past. And when he's talked about Cliff Kingsbury, it's a guy that he'll watch. He'll watch what Cliff Kingsbury is up to offensively. It's not like this guy is like, it's not like he's just running mesh all the time. He actively, he, he grew in advance and he added a lot of diversity to his offense. And he figured out how to maximize the skill sets of the talent that was around him. Um, he's a great ad at the quarterback spot. Like if you're, if you're able to pull a cliff Kingsbury at a, at a quarterback coach position, I think that's huge. I think Patrick Mahomes will absolutely love it for one, uh, that tight relationship. And I think you're getting like, that's enough fresh ideas and concepts to integrate into this room to kind of challenge, a, you know, a little bit of what these guys are seeing and what they're saying right now. I, I love the idea of an outside perspective. He'd be a, he'd be an absolutely massive get. And I think, I think it's a very attractive job for him. Honestly, I think it's a very attractive job for Cliff Kingsbury because tying himself to Andy for a year, I think will give him some unique perspective that can really change offensively too. And so like that could be a nice little change up for what he does and how he does things as well. I, it makes, it makes a ton of sense to me. I, anything, anything else about the quarterback position? Yeah, I, I saw so I, DJ has a question here that he said, what is Cliff shown to suggest he'd be a good QB coach? And I did want to answer this because I think this is a question that a lot of people have. So specifically a QB coach, you know, you can go back to his time at Houston where he did work as a QB coach and he got those the Houston offense at a time, you know, in early, the late 2010s into 2000, up to 2011, he had a Houston offense running pretty darn well. He jumps to Texas A&M where he's working with QBs again as Texas A&M is, you know, kind of in this weird area. They have a good offense and then he takes over at Texas Tech. So you can go all the way back to 2008 and you can see Cliff Kingsbury being an instrumental part of good offensive play in college football. Don't pay attention to head coaching record. Look at what he did from Houston in 2008 up until going to Texas Tech in what was that, 2011 or something like that, 2013? And then go look at what he did at Texas Tech. He had Texas Tech as a top 10 scoring office back-to-back years. Yes, that was with Patrick Mahomes. But guess how many other times non-Mike Leach coaches got that program into top 10 scoring offenses college football? They don't have the guys that do that very frequently. You can look at his average scoring offense during his time at Texas Tech. It's not as good as Mike Leach, but it's really darn close. And Mike Leach is considered one of the pioneers, one of the best offensive minds to ever coach in the game of football. Yes, it's college, but you're, people very much diminish Cliff Kingsbury's accomplishments in terms of offensive football. He took an air raid system that was just turning a short pass as an extension into an extension of the run game. And then he added a ton of vertical elements. Part of that was the QBs that he had, but he added a lot of vertical elements to the air raid system. And you can find him having success with that in the big 12. You can have, see some success with the Cardinals in the NFL. It's not like that offense was completely inept all the time. So I think it's unfair to question his ability as an offensive mind. And I do think people look at head coaching record and jump to that. I mean, and he's got 65 games as a head coach under his belt belt where he's trying to manage a talented quarterback. And he managed a talented... I mean, when Clint, when Kyler Murray was healthy, they were good. Like, they were a good football team. They they won a lot of football games when Kyler, Kyler Murray stayed healthy. And, like, I don't know. Like, 
qualifications for being a quarterback coach is working actively with your franchise quarterback for the last four years. I know things got a little dicey at the end and there was some stuff there, but I don't think that was the easiest situation to manage. And he was working directly with his quarterback. I think it speaks perfectly to a guy that's able to be a quarterback coach. I think that the resume is, is overqualified for a quarterback coach position, if I'm being honest. So a welcome addition. I think it's a perfect situation for him. If he does get added into that group, I'd still, I think I'd lean, I'd lean internal before that. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas city. KC sports network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All righty. I'm really excited, Matthew, because this Super Bowl championship that we've just experienced as Chiefs fans has just, like, it's reinvigorated me in a big, big way. Um, I don't know what it is, but this offseason, I, I love the offseason. You, if you've been listening to this show, you know how much we love the offseason. Um, so, I I think this I'm just I, because the Chiefs have won the Super Bowl I'm just that much more excited about the outlook of this football team and maybe I think it's because I think we're looking at this team and where they're at they're kind of on the precipice they're still climbing and building this next nucleus this next version of this team and they've had such immediate success it's just kind of cool to see how they're going to co- compound last off season with another off season because this one if they do it again like terrifying for the rest of the National Football League so. How they go about navigating this is really exciting to me. Um, from free agency and a draft perspective, I sweeping statement. I just right off the top, I, I'm I, I feel like you're the same way because like all the conversations we've been having, like it's just it just feels different this year. This yes, uh, last year they kind of had it's not a reset button, but they had to kind of pull that lever that says, okay, we need to our main goal is no longer trying to make sure we are the best team we can be this year. And we have to set ourselves up to be a healthy and most the, as complete of a team as we can be moving forward for the future, for the next five years or whatever you want to pick as that, you know, end number. And the thing is they did that. And, you know, as Craig likes to say, the NFL, they screwed up because they, they let the Chiefs still go out there and win the Super Bowl while doing that. Right. And so then you get into this off season this is where we're starting to start to see some of that come to fruition. We're starting to see that little bit of a reset or whatever you want to call it 
start to really come together, start to gel. You're going to have a good rookie class is going to be playing with each other for a whole year. You're going to have guys getting used to it. And now all of a sudden, the Chiefs have a little bit of money. The Chiefs have some draft picks. The Chiefs still clearly have some holes in their team that we'll get through during all of the offseason stuff here. But they're in a much healthier spot for the next three, four years than they were last year. And last year kind of set them up on this path. So this year, we're going to kind of see what their plan is, where they really want to take this going forward. Right. And I mean, there's big philosophical questions that we'll be having throughout this entire offseason. Um because I mean, it, it, I think every move that they make is going to tell us a lot. Like, the, I think these are kind of defining moments for this team, too, because you've got some big names out there that they're going to have to look at addressing. You've got a lot of draft capital. By the way, I don't think I brought this up yet. The KCSN draft guide is now available for pre order. Uh, you can get 225 write ups about prospects and how they fit the Chiefs specifically. It's a Super Bowl edition, so you're going to get some Super Bowl specific features. You're going to get all kinds of sweet, sweet content. And if you sign up right now, if you if you pre-order right now, you'll get three months of KCSN Substack as well. So you'll get all of our premium content, breaking down free agent signings, breaking down draft prospects, all that sweet, sweet stuff. There's a link in the description of this show. If you go down, you can click the link to, the, uh, to pre-order for $12.99. You get the guide in three months of KCSN Substack. So... I uh, would love if you'd consider taking advantage of that. Again, link is in the description of the show. You can also find where to pre-order like everywhere we tweet and all that good stuff too. Um, oh, and it looks like uh, Jordan added a link right there in the comments there. You can you can oh, add that as well. Look at this guy. What a, what a boss. But I, I'm just, it's, it's a lot of fun. And so like, I think there's some high level discussions to be kind of look at the landscape of this football team for now what you know like just kind of get an idea of of what we're looking at with this with this offense with this defense like if you know if the season was today if the season started today the chiefs could line up and put together a relatively decent offense and they're always going to be good because of patrick mahomes you'd have travis kelsey you'd have marquis valdez scantling you'd have Kadarius tony sky mora's second year you'd have the running back room but there's, you know, there's a couple pieces here that I think that are worth, you know, talking about. It's, it's obviously you've got the left tackle position, you've got wide receiver depth that you're looking to add. But, you know, I think they they do still have a lot returning right now. Well, you're missing both tackles right now, really. You have That's Orlando true. Brown Jr. I've... and Andrew Wiley. Are so I think it's just easiest to start at the offensive line. Probably here is the Chiefs rebuilt their offensive line a couple years ago, and it's worked out phenomenally well. The thing is now your left tackle is coming up on a big payday and right tackle the one position that you didn't spend high capital, whether that's monetarily or in the draft, the one position that you did not spend on is a position that you don't really have a great answer for yet. Like you can pretty simply just go pay Orlando Brown Jr. and fix that one. And the Chiefs, I mean, let's be real. They're probably going to do at minimum franchise tag him. If not, you know, just sign him long-term. I don't know if they are going to be able to pay Andrew Wiley what his going rate is probably is now. Offensive tackle playing the NFL is bad. Andrew Wiley, not bad. Therefore, he's going to get pretty good money most likely. I don't know if that'll be the Chiefs. So this offensive line has been rebuilt. They've played well, but you're getting to the point now with that one position you haven't spent capital on, you have not found a long-term solution to it. So that's probably, I mean, getting Orlando Brown Jr. back is going to be priority one or finishing left tackle is going to be priority one for that offensive line unit. But the right tackle spot is like the very next thing up there. Cause that's just the one that they haven't solved at all yet. Yeah. And like, left tackle, like I think there's like, 
I think left tackle might be the defining because I'm writing about this too on the KCSN Substack, which you it's it's a premium article tomorrow. I will tease this a little bit. I think right tackle is kind of the linchpin's the right word in how this free how this offseason will go. I I kind of think this is the determining factor in how the Chiefs will kind of be able to navigate the rest of the offseason. If the Chiefs sign Orlando Brown to a long-term contract, I think you take like a, a multi-year deal. I think you take I think you probably take tackle off the off the board potentially at least a, a guy that can play left tackle um in round 1. I could see him getting greedy and playing right tackle, believe me. But if they tag him, I could see the Chiefs Eric Fishering the situation where they, you know, they they've got a guy left on one on a one-year deal. You know, they're going to pay him a little bit under $20 million to play tackle for him this year. And then you just go and you spend early draft capital, maybe even your first round pick on a tackle. And maybe you put him on the right side for one year, like they did with Eric Fisher. And then you move him over to left tackle for year two. Um, this, this regime has done that before. So, you know, I think that tells you a lot about how this offseason can go just, just there, just off the top. I think the left tackle position is almost the swing position for how the rest of this, you know, how the team plans to build the rest of this roster around, if I'm being honest. Yeah, it's going to be, it will be fascinating to see how they're going to approach it. And I think that's, they very clearly valued that a couple off seasons ago. I think they will continue to value that, especially after the performance the offensive line had in the Super Bowl. So that's going to be one of their top priorities to figure out this offseason is making sure they have the offensive line figured out and f- determining how much they want to say is on Patrick Mahomes to make whoever right and how much money do they want to spend to make sure that he doesn't have to worry about whoever. Patrick Mahomes is great. He's the best player in football, maybe the best player ever. You don't want to have to have him fixing the offensive line and to the next point, fixing the wide receivers, making the wide receivers good too. So you go and look at the Chiefs' next biggest kind of uh, where they're losing the most production on offense, wide receivers next with Juju Smith-Schuster, who was their best wide receiver this year, and McCole Hardman, who for a stretch, I don't want to say was their best or even most important, but he played an incredibly important role. Both of those guys are set to be free agents right now. Even Justin Watson set to be a free agent who ate up a lot of snap snaps, right? So that wide receiver position is also getting pretty bare in the cupboard. You have to decide which one of these positions you want to attack a little bit in free agency or the draft because you don't want to make Mahomes fix both. Having any quarterback fix both is a recipe for disaster, or at least you're towing a line that you really don't want to have to be towing. Yeah, uh, and I think this is a very interesting question about the right tackle position. I think it's worth talking. Anthony Olvera, why can't Prince Tigo Winogo be the answer at right tackle? He's performed well when he's got here. Got there. Well, I look, I we were big Prince Tigo Winogo fans, and the talent for Prince Tigo Winogo was always pretty high. Like, I think he's a viable, like, you know, he was an interesting prospect, um, worthy of development. The problem for Prince Tigo Winogo is his health. The reason he fell into day three of the draft was health. The reason he didn't wind up on the Eagles was health. And so I think Prince Tigo Winogo is an interesting guy you keep around to be able to manage in a pinch as long as you can. They they clearly like him. They've kept him on the roster for a couple of years. But as far as you know, wondering there's 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 big questions about a 17 game sample size for a Prince Tigo Winogo. And if you look at the Chiefs, the last time that they you know the, when they needed a, when they needed a sixth offensive line when they needed a right tackle in the Super Bowl because Andrew Wiley reported as ineligible and had to come off for a play. Which, by the way, he was, when Skymore's touchdown, Prince, uh, 
it was Lucas Niang at right tackle for the yeah. Chiefs. I think Lucas Niang's the guy that would get the opportunity first if they kept it in house. And I don't know. He's just such a big unknown. He's such a huge unknown because he's been hurt. Um, you know, I think he missed most of the last season, so he didn't get a chance to get you know kind of acclimated. I just don't know if 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 Lucas Niang's the answer either. And like, it would be great if they felt confident in him, but I can't guarantee that. I don't know. Yeah, and that's yes. Prince Tigunogo is an option. I think you, if you went into the the off season or whatever with this exact lineup, and you even added a rookie or whatever, Orlando Brown Jr.'s back. It would be Prince. It would be Niang. The rookie would kind of be competing for this starting right tackle job. I think it would be Lucas Niang's to lose, and I I think I would lean towards Prince from what we've seen so far. I think he's put out better tape so far, but you know it's. It's his, it would be his job to take it from Lucas Niang, who did go out there and play right tackle in the Super Bowl when Andrew Wiley did have to come off the field. That's a great point. And they are still invested in Lucas Niang. They they spent more on Lucas Niang than they have any other right tackle that they've had on this roster. He's going to keep getting opportunities until he shows that he can't be that guy. So they have that going on the offensive line. And like I said, this goes to the whole kind of point of, are they going to feel okay with just riding with those guys at right tackle? or a mid to late round developmental tackle coming through the draft or something like that. And then that way they can spend a little bit more emphasis on wide receiver because they are losing guys at wide receiver too. And we've seen Mahomes fix a bad O-line with his ability to move in the pocket. We've seen him fix an adequate or subpar wide receiver room with his ability to extend plays, find guys that are open, rely on Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid to create, make things easy. Just what is, what are their priorities going to be? How much more important? I think we agree. Fixing the offensive line will be more important than wide receiver, but is it so much so that they want a left and right tackle before a wide receiver, or do they feel okay just getting one of those two tackle positions locked down? They'll figure out the other as the time comes, and they want to spend a little bit on wide receiver. Oh yeah, one more thing on on uh, you know the right tackle, maybe Darian Kennard from Wyoder O five. I mean, we'll see. Um, you're looking at a long list of guys that have the right tackle ability that have played right tackle. Um, we'll, I, who knows if any of these guys is really earning the trust of the staff, right? I think Niang's the leader in the clubhouse though, based on the fact that he played when this team needed him to in the Super Bowl, was the guy that got the opportunity. Um, we're going it, it's going to be a big off off season for all those guys. I don't know if they're just going to come in immediately and and if the Chiefs are going to come in immediately and decide um hey, we need to grab a right tackle. Like that's that's one other thing I, I I'm curious about is they've got bites at the apple, right? They've got the Canards, the Niangs, they've got uh Prince Tigo Winogo. They got bites at the apple. Do they go in like I don't think you're seeing a free agent right tackle. I think if you're seeing a right tackle addition uh, it's in the draft. Um, and and depending on how they feel about that group is how high they're going to take one, right? So, you know, they'll, they'll get some opportunity to see some guys during pre-draft work, you know, the, the pre-draft stuff. And if they feel good, like they like where Lucas Niang's at, okay, maybe, I think you'll still get a tackle edition, but it'll probably be on day three. Probably. I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about the right tackle position right now. Like you said, they have a lot of options. None of them have showcased the ability to be that guy. They know, 
first of all, none of them have shown that they can even be healthy for an entire season so far, right? It's been a long time since either Lucas Niang or Prince Tigawanogo have been healthy for an entire football season going back to their years in college. And right? Darren so, Kennard hasn't factored in at all to this correct. point. Right. So I don't know what their the plan is there at right tackle. It almost feels like if you're not adding somebody that you think can at least compete with those guys, if you're not even adding at least competition, it almost feels like you're having a little bit of false hope in a person to stay healthy, which isn't something directly related to coaching. It isn't something directly related to talent or skill. These guys have proven over numerous years now that they don't stay healthy on the, on the average, they don't normally stay healthy. That's kind of scary to go into the season if you're not adding someone for help. So that's why I just, you know, I have my radar up a little bit. If Andrew Wiley's market falls flat, if they go add a veteran right tackle that could maybe come in and compete. I mean, I don't want to do it, but a Mike Rimmers type guy that could come in and play guard or tackle if they need be, especially in a pinch. Like I do think there is room to add somebody like that. I could see a swing offensive lineman being added just because they are losing a Nick Allegretti potentially. So like they might want somebody that can play up and down that offensive line a little bit more just to kind of add into the mix there. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. You talked about receiver. I think that's another big piece of this offseason, right? Because, you know, you've got the Marquez Valdez Scantling contract that the Chiefs could potentially get out of if they wanted. You've got Juju Smith-Schuster, an unrestricted free agent. So, um, you know, the Chiefs added some talent. They have, you know, they again, we, they could line up tomorrow and they could put a team together in their in their skill, guys. You know, Sky, it, it'd be Sky Kadarius, Marquez Valdez Scantling, and Travis Kelsey. Like, that's doable. That's more than they had in the AFC Championship game. <laughs> Um, I think they desperately need some wide receiver help <laughs> watching, watching this team versus good opponents, watching them in the playoffs. I don't think that you can enter a game with some of this, uh, some of the people that they have had, some of the receivers they had, some of the play they had and feel particularly confident in them performing on a week to week basis. I think that is my big concern is you just can't feel confident going into a game with MVS, Sky Moore, and Kadarius Tony. You just can't feel confident in that group. You're going to need to add some kind of significant help. And it, hey, and I, let me real quick. I'm not advocating for the Chiefs not adding. I'm just saying, like, we've seen this team line up and play with it. I think they could win football games with it. I think it would be problematic in a bigger sample size. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, no, then that's just it. They can win a game or two with it, but they could, but we've seen them when they have a, you know, beat up wide receiver, not just this year, but in years past, even with Patrick Mahomes, struggle a little bit, right? So as that as that uh, window, as the uh, sample size increases, they're going to see a lot more failures. And when if that failure comes when in a big moment or something like that, just, you're putting unnecessary pressure on Patrick Mahomes if you go in there with Kadarius Toney, who has struggled to play more than three games in a row, Sky Moore, who struggled to get on the field for a while, and MVS, who can be great one week. Hey, fraud goals, check you out. And then not do anything in the Super Bowl two weeks later. I mean, literally do nothing but kind of block and run clear out routes. That's not an offense to him. It's just the way the game played out. So it's just, there's no confidence. There's no confidence. And this great point by Wyoder. If Travis Kelsey gets hurt, goodness, they have, I mean, they have nothing reliable on this offensive unit. Like the only reliable thing they have is jet sweeps and create manufactured touches. The only thing left or reliable that they would have with the current wide receiver room. 
And this is something I've been thinking about the last couple of days. And I, Maddie always claims I'm predicting the demise of Travis Kelsey, which sounds four very years morbid. Around a baby. Like, it's not four years. But, I mean, Travis Kelsey is even kind of alluding to how hard this season was for him to to stay you know to to stay healthy and get up for games and not get up for games but you know just be physically ready and at the top they've had to start load management a little bit right like they've started to to try to manage his snaps the last couple of years i remember just I've, I've rewatched the super bowl seven times roughly and you see him on his last catch of the game kind of coming out and you know struggling you know he's you know they, they get a close-up of his face he's struggling he's in pain and it's just like Okay, you know, I'm not I'm not predicting the end is near, but it's way closer than people realize. And I think you've got to try to help manage that snap count and manage that a little bit. So what does that mean? You gotta find you gotta find ways to get guys that can build chemistry with with Patrick Mahomes. You've got to find guys that Patrick Mahomes is gonna trust. So what does that mean? So is that Juju Smith-Schuster? Was the chemistry so strong with Juju and Mahomes that they need to kind of make sure that they're doing everything they can to bring a guy back who also, by the way, has struggled with 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 injury history as well? Um, do you draft a guy early? You know, like these like these are the big questions I have with just how are you building your weapons? How are you building your offensive? You know, your 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 pass catcher group to help protect the you know the depth a little bit and and i think look ahead to you know the next couple of years and that's i mean that's going to be their their biggest decision is figuring out how they want to attack this wide receiver room do they just want to get a bunch of different pieces do they just want to have a bunch of different guys that can come in do a little bit of this a little bit of that and they're going to kind of have a some of the parts wide receiver room like they had this year it's clearly a viable option they've clearly made that work this season it worked great. They won a Super Bowl. Is that something that you can do year in and year out, especially as eventually? I don't know when. I'm not as certain as Ken is that it's coming soon. But eventually, Travis Kelsey will have to slow down and become a little bit more of a role player, a little bit more of a situational guy and not a guy you can funnel every third down, every important drive, every red zone opportunity through. Eventually, he will have to be the guy that is catching a benefit of something else. And we're not there yet, but we're getting close. So what is your answer for that? What is your answer when that happens? And I think this is kind of the year you start to do that. The wide receiver for agency class isn't great. You might be having to wait for a ring chasing veteran, such as I mean, I've seen it and you know, seen it come through the chat so far. We got guys talking about New Hopkins. Um, we got guys talking about Mike, people talking about Michael Thomas. Wide receivers that have been around for a while that maybe want to go get a ring that want to come to a better team. If they have the opportunity to, whether they're cut, they're available for trade pretty easy. That might be a route the chiefs go. They might be able to collect some ring chasing veteran wide receivers that have talent. And to Ken's point have been around the block. They could probably adapt and learn pretty quickly with Patrick Mahomes because they're talented players that know what they're doing. Is that a route they want to go? Do they want to go make a big move in free and, uh, the draft and get a guy that they hope profiles as a lead wide receiver or at least a high-end wide receiver too as they go forward. They have a lot of options. I just think they have to do something here. They cannot not bring back Juju Smith-Schuster and just run it back with what they have. I think it's a year to insulate too, like long-term potentially. Like I, like I, I, a Michael Thomas, Nuke Hopkins short-term and adding a receiver long-term that can kind of get into the mix with an early investment in the receiver position. Just 
you know, I think that's a strategy you could see that she's kind of employed. I, I do agree though. Like they've got it. They've got to insulate themselves a little differently. It was, I mean, the chiefs don't want to be in the situation that they were in, in Cincinnati against the Bengals in the AFC championship game. You know, they don't want to be in that situation. They made it work. Patrick Mahomes made it work. You don't want that. And so is there a small correction to say, Hey, that almost derailed our season. Let's just make sure that, you know, yeah, we're starting to rack up some guys with some injury history here. We might need to manage this a little bit better and try to find some more, you know, some guys are playing a little bit more consistently, things like that. I I think it's worth kind of, kind of examining on, on the, you know, at the receiver spot, I could see them again. Like, I think there's a lot of different scenarios and ways that this off season can play out. And a lot of them would make sense. And that's one of them that makes sense to me is then they just getting greedy at all, you know, with the skill players now being a little bit more aggressive to make sure that they're just insulating themselves in a big, big way. For sure. And so, you know, I don't want to skimp out on some positions here, right? I'm looking down. Um, I, you know, we're trying to touch on the entire offense. So I think we all know Isaiah Pacheco is a little bit of the future of this team's running back room. You want to have a running mate, though. Isaiah Pacheco is good. He's getting better, but he's not doing everything. I think we all know how important Jarek McKinnon was throughout the whole season. Well, he's a free agent. Ronald Jones maybe wasn't as important, but he played some snaps. He's a free agent. Clyde Adelaire, I, you know, he's out there skipping the, the Super Bowl parade to do a fashion show in New York. I'm not saying he's a free agent, but, you know, he's skipping the parade to do to go to a fashion show in New York. So the running back room has space for bodies. And I think they very, the Chiefs will very much want to pair somebody, some kind of veteran with Isaiah Pacheco to take some of the pressure off of him doing everything, to take the pressure off him being the receiving back, to take the pressure off him being the pass protection back and the primary runner. I think it would make a lot of sense to add. Maybe it is just bringing back Jarek McKinnon. Maybe it's the draft. Maybe it's another free agency. Hey, Maybe Melvin Gore is just so happy to be here. He steps his game up and wants to stick around. I don't know, but I do think that, you know, that is two bodies that played and plus Claudio Delaire, who has played two that are all going to be off this team. Or I just don't know if you can count on them going forward. Like, yeah, I, I think you're going to see some, some big, like some, some changes to that group. Like even if you bring Jarek McKinnon back, I still think you're going to get additions. I think you could get a non seventh round draft pick in the running back room very easily. Uh, I wouldn't be stunned if it was as early. Like, honestly, if there's a guy in the third, they liked, I could see them doing something crazy like that. Um, wouldn't stun me in the slightest. They, they need some help in the running back. What, sorry. What'd you say? Or you're jumping in Matthew. Nope. nope I was not. Oh, uh, you definitely had the, the Maddie gasp. No. Um, but I, I, yeah, I just, I, I think there'll be some additions to that group. I, I definitely think you'll see some, some, some stuff there. Tight end. Like, do we think tight ends a place that the Chiefs could look to add free agency or draft? I don't know. Before this year, I would have said yes for sure because Blake Bell was is the guy set to be a free agent right now, right? Uh, Blake Bell, yes, he was hurt this year, but even after he came back and was healthy, once all the tight ends got healthy, guess who was the guy not playing? Blake Bell. So I think they have. I think they feel very confident with Travis Kelsey, Noah Gray, and Jody Fortson, who I think is only a restricted free agent. I think they should be pretty good They'll with them. There. So they have those three. And if I'm not mistaken, they have a couple guys stashed on the practice squad. I'm pulling up here. Kendall Blanton, who is a very good blocker, who kind of would make sense in the Blake Bell type role if they needed him, is on the practice squad currently. Matt Bushman, shout out Tucker Deep Franklin, one of his favorites, is on the practice squad. So I don't know if they would go forth adding a tight end specifically to be the third tight end. 
I know for you, you think they should be in, at least open to the idea of looking for a tight end to eventually take over for Travis Kelsey. And I'm not saying no to that. That seems a lot more likely than them trying to add a third tight end like a Blake uh, replacement. It's more a specific person that we'll get to at some Mike point. Mike Gesicki. Stop it. <laughs> it's draft miss baby. But yeah, there's, you know, there's, we'll get there. There's, we got some time, but yeah, that's a, that I, you know, there might be a guy that I think could, uh, could be a really fun fit in Kansas city. That's all I'm going to say. This okay, uh, last one here. This is a great one. Um, backup quarterback. Is it Shane Michelle? Is it a veteran? What, what, what do we see the chiefs doing at backup quarterback? Cause this is twice now that the chiefs had to go to their back three times. Now the chiefs have had to rely on their backup quarterback to do something important during an NFL season with Patrick Mahomes around. So what, is the plan to trust Shane Michelle to come in and win a playoff game or to drive down the field and score in a playoff game? Is it is it their idea to trust Shane Michelle to go play the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings and maybe win a game? Man, I think so. Yikes. I And look, <laughs> I am not advocating for this plan necessarily <laughs> when I say this, but everything this Chiefs team has done they have sacrificed a 53-man roster spot multiple seasons now to protect Shane Bouchelle. There is clearly a desire to keep him around, that the Chiefs are keeping three quarterbacks, that the Chiefs are keeping Shane Bouchelle around. They've moved him from practice squad to the active roster in 2021 to make sure they kept him around, and they, they, they burned a 53-man roster spot all season to ensure his services. I think they knew Chad Henney was done after this year. I think they were planning on holding on to Shane Bouchelle and something about Shane Bouchelle is desirable to the Kansas city chiefs in that quarterback room. Yes. It's called friendship. It, I, I not, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Listen, you, they had to make a deal with the devil to let Gary Dieter go. And this is the deal they had to make. Okay. I, the explanation I have. I just like it doesn't make sense. And if it <laughs> if it comes out, <laughs> if it comes out that the Chiefs are signing a backup quarterback, I think that's your answer. It was friendship. <laughs> I um, and I'm not I trying mean, to look. I'm not trying to dunk on Shane Bouchel. Please, like oh, I yeah. just um, I just don't believe him yet to be a backup caliber player. There's just so much unknown. It would be a little bit surprising to see the Chiefs. A team with Super Bowl aspirations just lean on a guy with so much unknown about him, and like right, that and like that's the tricky better. part. Like the Chiefs have now entered the area where you don't necessarily need a veteran quarterback to be helping yeah. Patrick Mahomes teach him the ropes, help him learn how to run a scout team, how to study film. Like right, like it was super important to have Alex Smith do that, then Chad Haney and Matt Moore do that. Like there was a time where that was very vital. We're kind of past that time now. So now, if you're looking for a backup quarterback for the Chiefs, your kind of priorities are. A, do we have someone that can step in and win us a game? Yes or no? And Chad Henney proved he was that guy. Shane Buchel hasn't had a chance to prove he's that guy. I, you know, They know a lot more than we do about him. Maybe they actually believe that he's that guy. I have a hard time buying it based on everything that you know I have seen from him throughout college, through preseason, whatever you want to say. I'm just not ready to say I trust him to go out there and beat the Browns in a close playoff game. I just haven't seen that yet. Maybe they feel comfortable. So, if that's all you're needing out of your backup quarterback, you know, the chiefs maybe are in a position where they want to get a talented, but raw quarterback to develop and maybe flip for picks in the future. Like that's the other path that people like to go with backup quarterbacks. 
it doesn't happen that often. Like, you know, it doesn't really happen. I think I know Andy case, did it. I know Andy did it once, but he has. And you know, Bill's done it once. Like it doesn't happen often, right? So I think it's much more important to make sure you have a quarterback that you're not trying to develop and flip, but having a quarterback that can come in cold off the bench and score a touchdown drive in a 98-yard series. They can come in cold and beat the Browns when your starting quarterback has to leave. That's what should be mattering to them. If Buchel's that guy, I so be it, right? Good for them. Awesome for finding him. I just don't know how you go into a season without a competition in that spot to figure out who can do it. I think uh, it's it's a cliff to bring it all full circle. It's Cliff Kingsbury comes back and Baker and Patrick Mahomes are in the quarterback room with him. That's going to do it for the KC Laboratory. Thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate you. We'll be back on Thursday. and We'll catch you later. I'm so in. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.